Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is joining us on this Friday. And we got Mario, a.k.a. the Node Defender here. And obviously, it is Conspiracy Friday, so this is going to be a great show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Gary Gensler in the SEC is publicly stating the judge was wrong in factors of the Ripple decision, now citing their intentions to likely appeal certain aspects of this ruling in court. Tokenized assets are revolution, revolutionizing the financial industry as we speak, as the XRPL and Ethereum are now being leveraged by some of the world's largest financial institutions. Congress is becoming more crypto-friendly by the day, endorsing the need for self-custody of crypto assets. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how the financial institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny Crypto, today is an exciting day for our listeners. Number one, Gary Gensler responded, and we got some breaking news for our XRP holders. But number two, the cannonball has finally arrived, and I'm excited to bring that to our listeners. But, Johnny, first of all, how are you feeling? And thank you for making time for us. Abs, I think we're going to have to rename today instead of uh, a Conspiracy Friday. We're going to have to call it Cannonball Friday because that's all anybody wants to talk about. But anyway, I just want to say... Good morning to all the war maniacs out there. I love you guys. I appreciate you. And if you want to see the cannonball, you have to stick to the end of the show. Absolutely, guys. And we got Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G, joining us. Gonzo, how are you feeling on this Friday? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling good, man. It's a, It's been a good Friday morning so far. It, it's actually been a really great week. have been able to hang out with you guys almost every day. So, um, yeah, you know, yesterday we had, like, big news with the, with the house uh, you know, moving that bill from the two committees onto the House floor so they continue to hash it out. So I think we're like the closest we've ever been to getting some type of legislation. So, uh, I, you know, good things to come. Dark times for the crypto market. And Mario, it's historic time for Johnny Crypto's Lake House as well because it's about to go viral at the end of this episode. First of all, how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Yeah, man, I'm feeling awesome. Good morning, everyone. I hope everybody's doing good out there in the chat. I, You guys... Don't know what you're going to be uh, watching at the end of the episode. It's such such a good clip. So stay tuned, and you you'll get to see it. Thank you, guys. And we got 191 live listeners already joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there's something I need to tell you about tokenized assets. They're beginning to take place on the XRPL. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. I'm always giving updates throughout the day. That's the easiest place to follow our daily content. When you check out uh, the total coin market cap this morning, we're sitting at 1.19 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29,500. Ethereum, 1879. XRP is 71 cents. Cardano is back up at about 31. And we'll go to Quant Network sitting at 105 this morning. And Mario, I'm going to get right into our content, so I'm kicking it straight to you here. Gary Gensler was on, I can't even remember the news network this was, so forget about that. Gary Gensler was being questioned on mainstream media about the Ripple ruling and how it's going to impact other cases that are happening today. Well, what we came to find out is that Coinbase and Binance are celebrating the Ripple win, while Gary Gensler and the SEC are figuring out how they're going to appeal. But Mario, with that being said, play this video and we'll get this thing going. To a different topic, which has gotten a lot of attention lately, crypto. Specifically, a ruling that was made in the Ripple case that XRP 
is only a security when sold to institutional investors, not so with retail investors. I know you've previously said you were disappointed by that ruling. The SEC has also said that it intends to seek further review. So does that mean you are going to appeal it? Can you elaborate on your thoughts around that ruling? Kaylee, great question. But the commission, uh, I'm, I'm one of five commissioners. Mm -hmm. The commission has not uh, uh, acted on that. And uh, uh, if the staff makes a recommendation, we'll, ha we'll have a discussion of it and we'll take it up then. But I don't ha really have anything more on you for you for that. In, in the meantime, as we wait for this, what does it mean for your efforts around crypto, for your efforts to try to protect the consumer in these areas? Does it complicate it? Look, this field of crypto investing, uh, um, a lot of investors uh, should be aware it's not only a highly speculative asset class, it's also one that they currently should not assume that they're getting the protections of the securities laws, even though the securities laws apply to many of those tokens without prejudging anyone. But you as investors are not getting the full, fair, and truthful disclosure. And the platforms, the intermediaries are doing things that we would never in a day allow or think the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ would Mario, do. Mario, that's a great the place to pause guys. Uh, I know we have we are having some audio issues. It's because we're on the we're in the same house. The Wi-Fi bandwidth is giving us some trouble. But what Gary Gensler is saying here is that this is a ruling he does not agree with. He thinks that investors are not protected from this Ripple ruling, and we understand his bias in this whole ordeal. So, Johnny, I'm going to try to find a better way to play that clip for our listeners. But give me your take, Gary Gensler. He's claiming that they're still going through the process of reviewing the decision and deciding if they will appeal. I think we all know the answer. They're going to come after some aspects of this decision. But what does it mean to you, my friend? Yeah, there's no question about it, Abs, that they're going to come after. You could tell he's not happy about it. But the, the weird, you know, the whole thing about us, first of all, did you see how he completely danced around that answer and did not want it? Because that's Gary, right? Well, instead of Gary Gensler, he's Gary Dantzler. Because all he does is dance around all the questions that he gets asked. And basically, oh, I'm only one to five. You know what? So is Clayton. And he got the lawsuit thrown out there or put it out there. So the reality is we know the chair has more power uh, to some degree than the other than the other four commissioners. Right. So that was number one. He danced around and didn't answer the question. But we, we know he's going to sue that. He's going to appeal if he can, if his team tells him that there's a strong uh, case for that. And number two, he talked about. Well, these guys are out there. They're not filing. They're not doing. They're not doing full proper disclosures. You know why they ain't doing full proper disclosures, Abs? Because when they go in to see Gary to go do the full proper disclosures, you know what happens? One, the form asks them how many shares they want to deploy in their company, and shares don't even exist in crypto, so they don't even have the right form. And two, Gary stops them with a lawsuit. So of course they're not doing it because they can't. They don't have a way, a path forward to even want to go. And pro, uh, pl uh, f you know, go through with the full proper disclosures if they wanted to, because the process isn't in place. So it's a bunch of horse bullshit. But it's Friday, and uh, let's keep rolling. Absolutely, guys. And I did find a better audio clip, and I'm excited to bring to our listeners. But Gonzo, check out this latest update out of Stuart Alderati, who was the top lawyer for Ripple during this whole ordeal. Ripple's top lawyer says that the XRP ruling will benefit Binance and Coinbase as they fight their SEC lawsuits. Stuart Alderati says that the SEC's lawsuit ruling will have a positive impact on the wider crypto industry and specifically for Coinbase and Binance against the SEC. The core allegation in both the Binance and Coinbase lawsuit is that they is that the exchange trading the digital token will need to register as a national security exchange. That was re, uh, rep. I don't even know how to say that word. That was redisputed, I'm going to say, by discharge in our case. We have a clear statement that in the trading of a digital token, in this case XRP, on a digital asset exchange does not make that for a contract of an investment and therefore does not qualify as a security. That means there's no role for the SEC to play. And I think that will play well in Coinbase's case and should equally claim well in the Binance case, Gonzo. So there's a lot that he said there, but what I think he took from this entire thing is that the ruling moves the industry forward, and it's actually going to help the intermediaries. Do you believe this is good for the entire industry? Yeah, because, you know, it gave some clarity or a ruling that had to do with the exchange and how they sell these tokens, right? And the whole point 
of the lawsuit is the SEC is telling them that they're selling securities, right? Uh, when it comes to Binance, there, there's, there were other charges, uh, something with wash trading and other things. But when it comes to Coinbase, it's basically that they're selling securities, right? And they're not licensed to do that. Well, with Judge Torres's ruling, she clearly stated that uh, not only is XRP not a security, but basically the way that the exchanges, the secondary sales, um, pro, I think it's called programmable sales, something like that. Um, those are not securities. And so therefore, the way that the exchanges um, do the sales, right, are not securities. So it definitely gives some clarity, but all of that gets resolved. I mean, depending on what happens on the clock with the new um, kind of market structure bill, all of that stuff is defined in that bill. So it's going to be very interesting to see how much Congress drags their feet to get this bill done, to see, to get it to go to the Senate, to see how that's going to affect the lawsuit that the SEC now has against Coinbase. Because you know these things take a very long time, right? We saw how long the Ripple case took. Um, you can imagine something very similar when it comes to Coinbase. So are we going to get a law that actually clarifies that and then just actually removes um, any teeth that the SEC has against uh, Coinbase? So, Abs, two points here. Uh, comment number one is in terms of answering your question, is this good for the industry as a whole? No, the answer is no. It's good for half the industry. It's going to help the exchanges, as Gonzo said, but it's actually going to hurt the institutional um, purchase or sales of this or adoption of it, right? Because now if you're, uh, let's say, Bank of America and you want to purchase XRP from Ripple, well, you can't because it's security and they don't have it registered as security. So that is going to hurt. That is going to slow down or it's going to make uh, certain institutions, I think, look for alternative solutions. And hopefully that's what we'll see happen. But right now, that don't let's not forget that, that it's just, it's, they split the baby. So that's number one. Number two, think about this. Here's a monkey wrench I'm going to throw into this whole thing. So we waited two and a half years to get a ruling from the judge that XRP is not security. But it doesn't matter what the judge says. Congress writes up a bill. <laughs> Depending on what Congress puts on the bill, it could, I mean, it's going to overwrite this case. So the reality is, it, you know, we wait two and a half years. We think we have clarity. Congress coming and mess everything up. Nope, it's security. And then like, we're back to we're not back to square one because then you have the clarity and people know what to do. But the point is, just because we have a ruling right now, you know, and then while Congress hasn't acted, that is the standing law. But once Congress acts, that will overwrite what the judge said. So we have to wait to see what this language looks like to determine if XRP in all programmatic sales, you know, through the exchanges remain as non-securities that's the piece of language you're going to look for. you're going to want to look for in the language to see because that could literally overwrite judge torres's ruling another thing that clearly sticks out to me here is we have the statistics and a congressman referenced this yesterday only one percent of the total activity in crypto is what they consider to be nefarious or illegal when you look at the U.S. dollar, it's actually a higher rate. But when you listen to Gary Gensler talk about the industry, you would think every single project was operating illegally. And every single one of these things was just a money laundering campaign or a big Ponzi scheme. Clearly, that's not the case. So he has an incentive to promote that ideology. We got 293 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there's a couple things I want to bring to our listeners but this is the latest update out of Congress. As the House Committee Representative John Rose is talking about clarity for stablecoin payment, but this discussion, it made me very excited. The people are finally starting to wake up, and crypto adoption in the U.S. appears to finally be here. With the rampant deterioration of cash, the concept of a true peer-to-peer -peer transaction is becoming extinct. This legislation would ensure that that would not be the case. Even if someone doesn't own any digital assets or isn't a strong proponent of them, the conceptual idea of self-custody should still resonate. It wouldn't make sense to say that Americans are only free to transact on an intermediated basis and cannot transact on their own behalf. This should be an easy concept to support. However, we are seeing coalitions rally around the exact opposite concept. Specifically, a number of central banks have entertained or even embraced central bank digital currencies. Let's be clear, CBDCs go directly against the idea of a disintermediated financial system. While there are certainly roles for intermediaries in our financial system, 
they have become de facto information collectors on behalf of the federal government. At what point should we feel that our financial system has overstepped its boundaries? I believe it already has. As for illicit activity, I would make a note that Chainalysis, a digital asset compliance and investigation software company, issued its annual report earlier this year that examines illicit activity in this space. In their report, they state, quote, illicit activity in cryptocurrency remains a small share of overall volume at less than 1%, close quote. Therefore, Mike drop Johnny Crypto, and that's what we want to talk about on our show every day. If you listen to the mainstream media talk about this industry, it's very confusing. Even Bitcoin sounds like something you can't trust. But at the end of the day, it's just that they're competing with traditional finance. So you're going to continue to hear these narratives. But what does it mean to you that somebody in Congress, specifically here, John Rose, he doesn't just sound like he understands this technology. He sounds like an advocate for it. What does that mean to you, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, I think some of these guys, you know, we like we always bash all the congressmen, but I think some of them do the homework. So there's no doubt about it that they do their homework and they and they um and they are advocates for this, right? So I think that's the, the good you got you got the push and the pull. You got one side that's pushing for one side that's pulling. But I think that that's what you're going to see here is you're going to continue to see more of these congressmen abs get more educated around this space now because they have to to some degree because these guys are up here speaking in front of Congress on live and you know in these sessions and in live TV and soon the elections are coming up they have to be educated in this space to be able to speak to their constituents about it so you're going to see especially as he just said it right one percent or more is, is this is growing so you're going to see more and more people getting uh, Congress people getting familiar with it learning the language, being able to speak more educated about it and not talk, call it Saratoshi Nagamati or whatever the hell he was called. So you're going to start to see that happen over time. And that is actually a very, very good thing for the cryptocurrency industry. We need these the senators and the people making these laws to fully understand the technology, to get behind it, to create proper and good regulation so they can cause a nice level of adoption and innovation in this space because their job is to kind of nurture and cultivate innovation you don't want to squash it and for the past two to three years what have that what has everybody been talking about the u.s we've done nothing to cultivate this space but now you're finally starting to see the discussions happen happening apps which means it's coming it's coming in the next it's coming you know in the next one to two years you know, I, I would say that we've already seen a transition, Johnny. Like when I think about the hearings that I saw after FTX and the comments that were made and what you saw in the last 48 hours while they were hashing up the amendments, it was the Republicans that were countering all of the FUD, all of the nonsense when they were talking because they, you know, the stablecoin bill didn't go forward. Um, but like when they were talking about this is going to be another FTX because this bill allows co-mingling of funds. And the Republicans fired right back. That's actually not true. What it allows for is they're confusing commingling of customer funds with staking, right? Where if I have Ethereum and Mario has Ethereum, we can put our Ethereum together and we can stake it with the validator to secure the network. That is a very specific uh, design of it. And, and, and the bill allows for that and it defines that. So there were multiple incidents of that where they were like taking things apart. But if you saw what happened yesterday with Maxine Waters, I, I mean, she she had a Freudian slip. If you guys didn't see this, when they were like going back and forth and it kind of turned into a clown show because they eventually walked out. But she said it. She said the Treasury does not support this bill. The Fed does not support this bill. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes back to. Right. That's why we have Gary Gensler. That's what we have them pushing and, and all the FUD. It's because they they don't want to innovate, right? They're afraid to lose control of this. The banks and the banking cartel, like uh, Mark Yusko likes to say, does not want to lose control of this. But, you know, it's already too late for they. All they can do is slow it down. But, I mean, she had kind of a major Freudian slip yesterday when she was saying that because the Fed should have nothing to do with Congress and what laws they're making. It's the Fed. They're not even the government, right? This is the yeah, whole problem we have with central bank digital currencies is that it's not only combining the concept of social currency with physical monetary currency, it's also giving power to unelected officials that they haven't earned. Giving the Federal Reserve more power to decide your morals, 
is something I don't think they've earned, Mario. But we got 319 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And if you're here for the cannonball, comment a one in the live chat. If you're here for a backflip, comment a number two. But Mario, the floor is yours. Yeah, I was just going to add to what, what Johnny was saying. I mean, 100%, the people, the, the ones that are, are doing their homework, they become advocates for the space because they see the potential. They see what's being built behind the scenes. When you have some of these Congress people that can't even pronounce the name correctly, obviously those are not even attempt. They're not even putting any energy towards doing their homework and understanding what the space is and what, what the technology is trying to uh, create and innovate. So um, yeah, we really need this thing to, to, to take a, a turn. And I think we're starting to see that turn take, take effect. And hopefully we, this is a, uh, finally a move in the right direction. And when we're going to talk about the SEC appeal process, this affects much more than exchanges and much more than just Ripple in and of itself. But Stuart Alderati thinks the majority of these decisions are going to stand even during the appeal process. In terms of the next steps, the SEC may decide to appeal, and they have signaled in the week since the decision in various ways that the staff will be recommending the commission file an appeal at some point. I don't think that they're very happy with the decision. And part of the decision that we've been talking about uh, that the token itself is not a contract of investment. You have to look at the facts and circumstances. They're not happy about that. And they will probably be taking an appeal with this specific portion of the ruling. We don't shy away from an appeal, said Stuart Alderati, and we think the judge got it right. And this could even amplify the extent of this ruling, Johnny. That's why they shouldn't appeal. We already talked about this with John Deaton. We talked about this with Jeremy Hogan. If they If they file an appeal and they lose, that becomes precedent for the entire crypto market Whereas right now they can specifically uh, apply this ruling to the facts and circumstances with Ripple, which would give them much more power in the long run to go after other projects and other exchanges. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think the SEC understands that? If they really know that they're not going to win the appeal, why would they go through the process? Uh, that's a, you, you could get the words right out of my mouth. I honestly believe if they don't think they're going to win it, they're probably not going to appeal it. Because we, as we've said multiple times now, it's probably getting old. Everybody on this show knows that if they lose it, they lose, they lose their teeth. It's like ripping the, 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 the teeth right out of the dog's mouth. You got no bite no more. Jeremy Hogan has been very clear with that and said it multiple times. So it should worry everybody. It should worry you to some degree if they do appeal. Because it tells you that they probably have a, think they have a very, very strong case of winning it. Because there's too much at risk if they lose it. Now, here's the other monkey wrench I'll throw into this thing. Let's say they appeal it. And we've all said it's going to, you know, I forgot what Jeremy said, but he thought it would take a year or two, you know, potentially, because Ripple's going to stall on delay. They're going to do it. They're going to give the SEC the same taste of medicine that the SEC gave them when they were going through the lawsuit. They're going to stall and delay tactics for this thing for a year or two, right? Now, this would be a great question to ask the attorney next time we have them on is, in the process of the appeal, if Congress comes out with actual regularity and clarity of in defining all this stuff, I think the court case gets thrown out. It probably goes away. The judge probably says, hey, it doesn't matter. You're appealing anymore because here's the law that we've just passed, you know, for the law of the land from Congress. And that could negate, I think, the whole appeal. Act. So that is something that we need to get an attorney's opinion on. But I almost kind of think common sense would tell me that that's the other saving grace in this thing is even if there is a appeal. It might not even matter if we get regulation coming out of Congress. Gonzo, what do you think? Can thinking? I add something? Of course. I was just going to say, you know, Dean talked about this, about like when he was having the little tiff with the Charles Gasparino, right? And besides like us that were in the space, all of the SEC lawyers that had his ear that were outside of kind of the crypto world, they all thought that the SEC was going to win. They thought it was a guaranteed and that's what they told them. And that's why he went the way that he went and they were wrong. Right. And so I, I don't necessarily agree that just because they file an appeal, they have a very strong case. We already see that they thought they were going to win and they lost. Really, when you look at the case, they, they have a they would have a stronger chance or a better ability to go out. And if they really want to regulate, it's easier for them to go out and not appeal and then go out and sue other protocols. And then instead of going against XRP, explain how XRP is different to say, no, we're going to sue you, let's say Ethereum. And the reason we're going to do that, and the reason why Judge Torres' ruling 
doesn't apply to you is because this is how XRP is different from you. And, and, and that's, I think, easier or more common sense to do than to them risk, like Johnny's saying, where they, where they um, appeal and then they lose and now it becomes binding in the second circuit, right? Um, and then, but again, I always fall back on this, that if you're in the belief that the original plan was just to create a new Howie test or a ripple test, then absolutely they're going to appeal because that was the whole point to begin with. And maybe after the second circuit, it goes to the Supreme Court to make the new ripple test. That's a great point, Mario. I'm going to kick it to you and then we're going to, we'll continue. No, I don't really have too much to add. I think uh, I, I agree with uh, Gonzo's point. I think at this point, we've seen the SEC was backed into a corner. They they didn't get the win that they expected. And if they are going to appeal, you know, they might not necessarily have a good case to to appeal. And they might not necessarily have a, a strong case to, to even take this uh, appeal into a win eventually for them. And especially with what we're starting to see in Congress, you know, it only gets weaker and weaker on their part. And eventually we could just see this whole thing come to an end to the point where responsibility of the crypto market gets passed on to maybe a different regulator besides the SEC. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And that's what I'm really waiting for, Mario. Is there going to be a day when we have a crypto-specific regulatory agency? And Gary Gensler just fades into the background and off into oblivion. But here's a really great clip, guys. I Hopefully the audio is much better on this version. Gary Gensler is responding to the ruling that XRP is not a security and believe me he does not look happy has gotten a lot of attention lately crypto specifically a ruling that was made in the ripple case that xrp is only a security when sold to institutional investors not so with retail investors i know you've previously said you were disappointed by that ruling the sec has also said that it intends to seek further review so does that mean you are going to appeal it can you elaborate on your thoughts around that ruling Kaylee, great question, but the commission, uh, I'm, I'm one of five commissioners. Mm -hmm. The commission has not uh, uh, acted on that. And uh, uh, if the staff makes a recommendation, we'll, ha we'll have a discussion of it and we'll take it up then. But I don't ha really have anything more on you for you for that. In so Gonzo, what I think is really funny about that clip is how powerless he makes himself seem. Well, I'm just one of five commissioners here, and I really can't speak for the agency, but you have no problem telling people that Bitcoin is not a security. So in some aspects, you're more than comfortable speaking for the agency, but when it comes to the important conversations, you want to be quiet and play games. We got 335 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Gonzo, what do you take away from this Gary Gensler clip? It definitely uh, feels like he is softened like he's like he's gotten punched in the face, you know, so I don't want to say he's softening the blow, but it feels like he's been hit in the face because usually it's the it's the rhetoric about, um, you know, he sits there and says he doesn't want to prejudge any specific protocol security. Right. And so, um, yeah, he's definitely backed down from it's almost like getting ready to maybe throw the whole commission under the bus. Right. Because usually he's out there in front and for the first time, it's kind of now talking about, well, it's a commission. It's not all my decision. Right. It's something that we vote on. And, and it's true that there are like two Republican, two Democrat, and then he's a Democrat, but he's he's the top one. Right. And usually he's the he's kind of like the tiebreaker. And, um, you know, they would need to convince one of the other ones. But it's interesting how he's kind of softened that up now to where uh, he's not in the lead more. And no, now it's more of a a group decision that happens uh, if they're going to move this thing forward or when they go forward with any type of lawsuit or litigation. Absolutely, Gonzo. And what I really want to focus on is what's next here. If Gary Gensler goes through an appeal process, a lot of the people he works with are proponents of Ethereum. And I think Ethereum has a dark day coming. Not only did it have a, a specific ICO process that took place in the United States, there is a lot of nefarious ties to the project in and of itself. And when you look at who Gary Gensler has been very... I guess, supportive of during this whole regulatory regime, it's been the innovators who are actually making waves in this space that have taken the biggest hit. Algorand, Cardano, XRP, a lot of legitimate projects are the ones that Gary Gensler wants to take down. So really briefly, Gonzo, what are you thinking when it comes to Ethereum? Is there going to be a day where Gary Gensler shifts his narrative in that direction? Or are we going to continue to see a free pass for ERC-20 tokens? Um, my personal opinion is no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that that opportunity has already left, especially 
with the way that, you know, things are transitioning and we're looking to get legislation. We were on the Ripple case. I don't, I don't think they're going to go backward. I, I think that Ethereum got the pass that it got. It is what it is, um, especially when you look at what's happening with ZK technology and these layer twos and how decentralized they're becoming and how they're like literally laying down the foundation of the infrastructure of what they're going to build on top of everything, especially with uh, the e EIP 4844, which is the protodenk sharding that's going to come out. That's really going to unlock a lot with the along with the other layer twos that are using ZK technology. Um, you know, like when you hear like Polygon and the founders talk, they, they're kind of like at the end of their roadmap of they they've finally found that final piece to build the infrastructure where they can infinitely scale and then move value. Uh, they call it unified liquidity, but they can move value throughout different chains, right? And and those were the two big characteristics of Web two that we needed for web three, right? Which is infinitely scalable and then the seamless uh, transmission of information everywhere. And so that's what we need for web three. And that's what these guys are building. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to get some comments from you as well, but let's check out this, this update out of France. This is a report from the Central Bank of France back in 2021 explaining how Ripple is a better alternative than Ethereum. Well, we got 360 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, I'm coming to you straight after this article. XRP is mentioned as a better alternative to Ethereum when it comes to centralizing the banking industry. Ripple as an alternative platform to Ethereum and XRP as a coin that runs on its own ledger, stating that Ripple does not operate on a blockchain network, but it has its own ledger for performing transactions, which presumably is the XRPL. The authors have also mentioned that Ripple is trusted by multiple banks as a model for central bank digital currency due to its high centralization. Now, this is a really interesting argument. Ripple and, the, Ripple and XRP enjoy the trust of many banks as a model for CBDCs because it's a highly centralized and it is based on a permission network where only certain network nodes can validate transactions. That sounds like the opposite of what a lot of crypto investors are looking for. But Johnny, what do you think? Bank of France back in 2021 acknowledging the XRPL as an alternative to Ethereum, but they're saying it's an, an advantage to the bankers. So how do you feel about that? That's 100% right. It, and it also what you just said is 100% right. It is completely opposite of what retailers want, but it's 100% what bankers want. So, I mean, there you go. You're, and, that's, and that's the, you know, at the end of the day, the conundrum that uh, some of these companies and blockchains are going to deal with is that everybody wants crypto to be decentralized, but the reality is the big boys who are going to leverage the technology and use it don't want that. That makes it too hard for them to manage and control. So there is going to be elements of blockchains and systems that are going to be private and they're going to be centralized. And you see Ripple already coming out and saying, hey, we're working on a private CBDC platform. That's the reason why, because banks are going to want that. They're going to need it. They're not going to allow you know, the information and all the transactions to be public. It's just not going to happen. So if they don't conform, and when I say they, I mean companies who provide solutions, technical solutions like this, in this particular case, Ripple, then the reality is they're not going to get adopted. They're going to fall back and they're going to lose this race and you're going to want to dump that horse. Um, but you see that Ripple has already come out and said, hey, we're building a private permissionless uh uh, blockchain for CBDCs. They're doing it because they know it's the only way it's going to get adopted or to give it a chance to get adopted. Johnny, people are worried about XRP and centralized bankers coming into this industry. We're about to break this, down a project. This is what they should be worried about, Abs. Yeah, this is a project that all of our listeners should be aware of. As WorldCoin isn't as bad as it sounds, it's actually worse. WorldCoin is no radical new financial system, but it's certainly not one aimed at equality and fairness. And I want to ask our listeners right now, have you heard of this project before? Put a one in the live chat if you know of this project. Put a two in the live chat if you are just hearing about WorldCoin. So what is this project? What really is WorldCoin? WorldCoin is combining biometric data with your bank account. Right now, you can walk up to what they have, what they're calling an orb device, which will scan your retina and attach that to your finances. Now, Let's break down some of the benefits and disadvantages here, Johnny. Number one, fraud would be much more difficult if you incorporate biometrics into your financial data, right? But what are you sacrificing for that safety? You're sacrificing all of your biometric data. So <laughs> basically, all of your sovereignty is now exposed within the financial system, and that opens up a plethora of new threats. 
let's start with you, Johnny, and work our way down. What are you thinking about this whole process? We talk about CBDCs. Yeah, that's bad. But when you combine biometrics with your finances, I can't really see anything more dangerous. My abs is already here. You're all using it. Who's using Apple Pay? Who's using Google Pay? You guys are already suckered in. and I don't use that shit, but you guys are using it. You, I bet you're using your thumbprint. They already have most of your biometrics. Okay, so they don't have your eyeballs yet, but that's coming. Actually, they do. This is the face scan. They'll unlock your phone. I mean, you know, the thing is, it's already it's already gone. It's too late. You're, it's already there. There's a huge database that has everybody's stuff in there because everybody's using an iPhone or all these phones that capture 90% of that stuff. So your thumbprint's in there. The shape of your face is in there. Your eyeballs are probably in there. Everything's already there. So this is just one of those things where because it's so... Uh, what's the word, you know, being discussed right now, so prominent and, and so obvious, hey, we're dystopian, that it brings creepy. attention to it. But I wouldn't go out there thinking that people haven't already sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, creepy. So you're right, hey, Gonzo. It's those things that are added. Look at that line, Abs. Look at that line of all those people signing up to give away their stuff. And, and I'll tell you why people do it. I talk to people all the time. I say, why do you get And it's a simple answer. Most people feel like they're not doing anything wrong or anything criminal. And that's why most of us are okay with giving away our stuff, right? And again, my phone, you know, thumbprint and stuff. You have no choice at this point. So the reality is we do it because we know we're not criminals. Like, we've got nothing to hide. So I get it. I understand why we give away our stuff because we're not criminals. We have nothing to hide. But the problem is on the back end, you don't know what's really happening with all that stuff. That stuff sitting in a database somewhere. And, like, if you have a good company that's high integrity, they're going to protect your data and all that. But here's the problem with all this stuff. It's not the good high integrity companies you have to worry about. It's the hackers that get into that database and then steal all that stuff. And now what happens? Now you're, all your stuff is at risk. So people have to change their mentality to say, it's not that I'm worried that I'm going to do something criminal. What you got to say if you give away your stuff is you got to say, do I want to accept the risk that if my stuff gets hacked, literally anybody could be me and take all my shit? That's the real question you should yes. be asking yourself before you go and sign up. Does that make sense? Really quick comment before I kick it to Gonzo and Mario here. Another thing that I think is you said people are willing to do this because they're not criminals. That's not a very definitive line, right? What's what's legal today is illegal tomorrow. And I think a lot of us experienced that during 2020. How quickly did they say that you needed something that had never been tested and had no validation? Imagine when they say, oh, that opinion is criminal. To think that way, and I'm not going to use examples, but how dare you think from that perspective? That's now a crime. And look, you're forced to comply because your biometrics are in there and they have, they have control of your finances. So it's a difficult conversation. But Gonzo, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I've been doing research on uh, WorldCoin. And so um, whether we like WorldCoin or not, or the, the idea of WorldCoin um, and the orb and everything, it is a niche that is being created and that is going to be needed, right? It's called proof of humanity. Um, because what do we have now? We have AI. And who created WorldCoin? Sam Altman. Sam Altman is the creator of WorldCoin, who is the creator of OpenAI. Problem, reacts, and solution. So he creates the AI, right? And then now creates the, the avenue that you're going to need to prove that you're a human. So um, WorldCoin isn't the, the first. There are other uh, that are out there. But, you know, um, I, I'm still kind of doing my research. Me personally, I'm more looking at it as an investment thesis that has to do with WorldCoin. Um, I, I don't plan on, on, on going to the orb uh, and, and, and scanning my retina. Uh, but it is a niche that's being created. Um, and, and there is going to be a need for it. There is going to be a need for some type of proof of humanity. Um, I don't know if it's going to be your retina, but you're, you're going to need something as, as AI comes into play and you get more and more people using AI, you're going to be able to have to prove that you're a human being. Right. And so it, it is a new niche and it's being created. Uh, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's one of these things where it's like an uphill battle because the orb looks creepy as hell. But when you think about it, like what shape could you have made it? That wouldn't have been creepy, right? If it was a box, it would have been creepy. It, if you make it a doll, it would, you know, it'd have been even creepier. So it's like a no one situation. Sunglasses. For, right? Sunglasses. 
Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we maybe could get sunglasses on and go retina. Right? Maybe. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting where we're going to go with it. You know, the, the whole premise of it is that whole proof of humanity and, and having some type of, of, of ID that is specific to you that can be used in a whole kind of world payment system is what they're trying to envelop. But um, yeah, you know, it, it is creepy. It's not for me. Like I said, I've been looking into it as an investment thesis and, and nothing more. And this is some of the biggest concerns I have here, Mario. Look at some of this. Linking your personal data to your biometrics could lead to a dystopian future. Imagine that your identity has been lost in some way. With traditional crash and other cryptos, you can always make a new wallet and stash some fresh coins in it. But this isn't in the minority report, and you can't get a new iris from your neighborhood surgeon. No old account, no new account, no soup for you. That's a very dramatic way of saying no freedom, my friend. What are you thinking, Mario? Yeah, that a hundred percent. But if we look at the way that society is moving and the word, the way that the world is moving, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't agree more with Gonzo. It's definitely a niche that is being created. And the more use cases they can attach to it, the more that they're going to get people to comply and want to comply and want to um, like start using these things. Because if all of a sudden they say, in order for you to travel, you got to be part of this world identity. Well, then everybody's going to rush to go get it done. Uh, if you want to be able to spend the world coin as you're traveling the world, you got to have this wallet. That's the way that they're going to force people to to adopt these technologies. And I definitely think that it's happening one way or another, whether it's world coin or another uh, project that comes about. But I definitely see the world moving in a direction where everything becomes about, you know, one single universal, whether it's identity, whether it's um, currency, 100% happening. And you know, the, the clues are all there. Sam Altman is the person behind this project. And so, um, yeah, I, I can definitely see this happening. Whether it's WorldCoin or not, I, I definitely think that, unfortunately, this is the way we're heading. And it is going to take, obviously, it, it is going to take um, more of our privacy away. But that's just what they want. They want more control. They want to be able to know exactly where you're spending your money, what your habits are. And so on and so forth, and and that just comes as part of the um, of the agenda. Not saying that I'm excited for it, but I think Gonzo brings up a good point. Look at it like an investment thesis. If you can put somebody toward this thing and it can significantly help you uh, transform, make some profit, then maybe you could do that instead of looking at the negative part of it, which is your freedom being taken away. If for now you have the option to not participate and don't participate, but at least um, try to take advantage of the opportunity of, of making some profits. Whoa. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think, and I want to hear your rebuttal to this, Mario. I think it's dangerous to have that sort of mindset where you say like, Oh, I'll fund this project where it takes people's freedom away, but my freedom's okay. So I'm morally okay. I don't, I, I, I guess it's like a, an interesting concept because you're putting like profit over sovereignty. And that, that's what we're trying to combat in the crypto space. So like, I have a quick follow-up for you. Do you believe that do you believe that funding these projects doesn't make you part of the problem, I would say? Do you think that pe good people can invest in these ideals and take people's freedom away but actually be good people? That's my question. Right, but so aren't we all helping Ripple uh, just push forward CBDCs by, by investing in XRP and being proponent, uh, you know, advocates for Ripple? CBDCs are not necessarily a good thing, but yet here we are like excited about every time that a good news comes out from Ripple and CBDCs. So I do agree with you. Like, it, of course, if there's a problem, let's not add fire to that problem. But at the end of the day, what I was trying to pass out is the idea of there's a train. It's coming at 500 miles an hour. We can't stop it. Right. So at least let's look at the positive side of, of things and, and try to make a decision that can possibly impact our life as opposed to focusing on the negative part of it. And that's what I was trying to pass. Spot on, Mario. Thanks for, thank you for that. And we got 353 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And of course, someone's got to play contrarian here because I just wanted to put out the other side of that discussion. Although money can be made in some of these projects, it's kind of like shilling a, a shit coin. It's like, oh, I'm going to make some profit here, but people are going to get hurt in the process. And that's what I see with this world coin thing. They're specifically going after poor people. And that's, they literally went to the poorest country in the world to begin this process, and there's zero incentive yet. They're paying people $30 to go and scan your retina, $30. And so 
I can only imagine when it becomes when there's some real incentives to use this product. Gonzo, I saw you had an additional comment. Want to close this out here? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, it's spot on. Like everyone has to do what's best for them. But that was just spot on what Mario said, right? We, you know, if you took a poll right now, everybody thinks that CBDCs are evil. But yet Ripple is going to bring CBDCs to us. They're going to shove them right down our throats. And every time that, you know, Ripple makes a move, whether you're invested in Ripple pre-IPO or an XRP, we all get excited. But yet, you know, and, and I don't, you know, like I said, I'm still doing a deep dive. I didn't say I was going to exactly, you know, um, invest in WorldCoin. And if, and if I see something that I don't like, then I won't. Everybody has to do what, what's best for them. But to shit on people or to go after them because of their investment thesis, you know, I'm of the opinion, uh, and I'm not saying that you are abs, I'm just saying like in general, right? That, you know, it's a slippery slope. Like, you know, when you start to strip it all away, then what's left to invest in? Because I can find good or bad about everything. You could hate ETH, but people can find bad things about XRP and Ripple, right? People can bad, find bad things about Solana, right? And so at the end of the day, it gets very convoluted. And so for me, I'm trying to create wealth so that I can make better decisions for me and my family. And that's what I'm here to do. And if that upsets people, I'm sorry, because I'm going to do what's best for me, myself, my family, and our community. Really interesting, guys. It's, it's, a, it's a fun topic because I don't think there's necessarily like a right answer. I just feel like there's, um, there's a lot of different perspectives when it comes to investing and what's, I guess, like morally acceptable. And I'm part of you guys in, in the sense that a lot of people are, are, don't like XRP. They don't promote that. They call it the banker coins, the CBDCs. But let's not forget, XRP is part of the World Economic Forum, and this is one of the projects I talk about every day. So I'm on no moral high ground here. I was just providing, I guess, a contrarian opinion from Mario to respond to. But guys, we got 351 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update out of South Korea. As Ripple takes notice of South Korea looking to boost XRPL adoption, the company behind the cryptocurrency XRP is partnering with a local research firm to shore up its footing in South Korea. And this is what Gary Gensler should have been afraid of. Money, leaving America, and finding a place to thrive. South Korea is, is Ripple's largest gambit. The, couple, uh, the company said on Tuesday it will be participating with Seoul-based firm Catalyst Research to bolster awareness around the XRPL. The network currently has 116 active validators as of July 27th, 2023, and Ripple and Catalyst Research will be developing an XRPL education program for developers. They're going to be focused on hackathons, workshops, and meetups, which will integrate decentralized applications onto the XRPL. Ripple added that his blockchain analysis team has plugged into the Web3 ecosystem and has experienced a lot of, um, a lot of growth on chains such as Avalanche and Tezos, making them natural partners to play a boost in development on the XRPL. I'm going to connect this story to something else because I'm realizing we're short on time. Asset tokenization in Europe gets a boost with securities landmark tokenization equity insurance or issuance. This is huge. AVAX is now offering tokenized assets in the European Union. And this is one of the first articles we've seen in reference to these tokenized assets really taking place. So Gonzo, I just wanted to get some thoughts here. XRPL, finding great success in Europe, finding great success in Asia. I really think it's only a matter of time before we see American adoption, but are we going to need Congress to act before the big banks step in? What's your response to that? I think so. I think you're right on that. As I mean, you, you see what's happening in Europe and, and why is that happening? That's because they have the regulatory clarity, right? And so like we said this before, where companies can come in and now build because they know what the rules and the guidelines are and they don't have to come afoul of the regulators. And so you're going to start to see more and more innovation. And so we need to catch up because if we don't, we're going to be left behind. Thank you, guys. And I want to just say this really quick. I know we're having a lot of audio and camera issues, so I apologize to our live chat. On Monday, the episodes will be back to normal, so please bear with us here. If we are freezing and cutting in and out, I do apologize. We really can't provide a solution right now. But Johnny Crypto, we got about five minutes left in the show. What do you think? Should we just get right into this cannonball action? Is there something you want to discuss, or should we get right into this cannonball ordeal? Abs, I think we've made people wait long enough. I think they're all excited. That's all we keep seeing in the chat. But I will say this. People are asking about Merlin. So, Abs, I want to give a quick update on that since they're asking of course. when they can get it. So, folks, for any of you on the wait list, uh, right now we are in a beta with the 3T Academy, folks, and it's going well. Once we get through that phase, we'll then roll it out to anybody on the wait list in, in small batches. 
sometime in the August timeframe. So if you're not on the wait list, you need to click on the link below. It should be down there. I think Abs has it in there. Or just simply go to www.merlincrypto.com. Join the wait list. And then, well, wait. <laughs> in August, though, uh, we will start rolling it out. So somewhere probably in mid-August, if all goes well, we'll start to see uh, you, as as members on the wait list, you'll start to get, you'll see an email come through telling you to go join and try it out, put your credit card in and you can get started. And you, everybody gets a free 30 days. So uh, we're excited, Abs. We can't wait to get the ball rolling. It's uh, coming soon. Thank you, Johnny. And I just want to say for our listeners, we do take these streams very serious. So I apologize for the audio issues. I know you guys are being polite and I will fix that going forward. But Mario, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, the Node Defender here. He gets full credit for creating the Johnny Crypto Cannonball. But show us some love, guys. Put some ones in the live chat. Throw some twos in the live chat as support for Johnny Crypto. If you think this is what, or sorry, if this meets your expectations, throw a one. If this is not what you were expecting, let's see a number two. But with that being said, guys, here's the man who created the smartest way to track your crypto. Okay, my promise. Here we go, baby. XRP to the moon. <laughs> So, Johnny, the people got what they asked for, and a lot of people are saying it's long overdue. So what do you think? Did it live up to the expectations? Well, Abs, I don't know if it did or did it, but the reality is I always keep my promise. I said I'd do it. Whether you like it or love it or hate it, I did it. That's what's important. And more importantly, XRP is not a security, and that's what's the most important part. I hope everybody enjoyed it, Abs. It was fun, and Mario did a wonderful job piecing it all together. Thank you so much, guys. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do, by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mario. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G. We got 344 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And believe me, we're going to be back on Monday with some exciting news for you guys. We'll see you in 72 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us.